Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. Happy Sunday. Um, we're continuing for our inspiration this month using Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Art of Communicating. Last week, you may remember, um, we talked about self-communication, the idea that our self-talk and our ability to really listen at what's going on with ourself is how we start. This week, we're going to move that out as we begin to communicate with other people, not just with ourselves. And uh, I think a good place to start is the introduction of this chapter. Deep listening is a wonderful practice. If you can listen for just 30 minutes with compassion, you can help someone else and uplift the planet. Now, the other person may say things that are full of wrong perceptions, bitterness, accusations, even blaming. And if we don't practice mindfulness, their words can set off irritation, judgment, even anger in us. We will lose our capacity to listen compassionately. That's why we have to practice, so that during the entire time of listening, cat compassion can remain in our hearts. So today we are going to be talking about listening, and it, and it occurred to me, talking about listening <laughs> is kind of a, I mean, in some ways maybe we should just have an hour of silence and kind of practice it. <laughs> um, but the reason I, I feel moved to actually take this on as a subject rather than a practice is I think so many of us do, and I will include myself, do a poor job of listening. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. In fact, uh, in the book, it talks about some of the bad habits that we have around listening. And uh, I found one encapsulated really well in a joke that I'll share with you. Uh, and you know, it's not even a joke. Supposedly, this is a real Franklin Delano Roosevelt story, one of our presidents. So here goes. The story is told of Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. He complained that no one really even listened to what he had to say. So one day, during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person that passed down the line, eagerly awaiting to shake his hand, he leaned over and barely whispered, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Not surprising him at all, guests responded with things like, marvelous, keep up the good work. I'm so happy of the work you're doing. Or, or things like, I'm so proud of you. God bless you, sir. Well, finally, towards the end of the line, the ambassador from Bolivia was there, someone for whom English wasn't their, their native language. And so he was listening very intently, trying to translate the words. And so he actually heard it really long pause, but he leaned over to the president and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> All right, so that illustrates something that I think we do fairly often. In terms of bad habits around listening, one of the things that we often do is just assume what's being said to us. And, and I would suggest this happens, in fact, frequently with the people who are closest to us, right? They'll start talking about something, we'll catch maybe the first couple of words, 
And what do we do? We kind of tune them out a little bit. We think we know where they're going to go. We think we have that. Oh, Larry's going to give me the talk about what we should do in the garden today. Or do you know what I mean? That it's just like we, we think we know them so well that we actually stop listening. That's one of the, the major complaints that people have about this area of listening in a world. Another one is that we make assumptions about the other person based on what they're saying. So while they're talking and we could be listening, we're kind of judging them. We're th saying things to ourselves like, well, she should have known that was going to happen. Or we're saying things like, well, I wouldn't do it that way if I was raising a child that age, right? So we're, it's as though we're uh, problem solving this other person's life in our head instead of actually listening. We probably miss half of what they're saying because what are we doing? We're kind of judging them. We're kind of annotating what they're saying. We're, we're plunging right in there with our own take on what's happening instead of really listening to them. Another really common thing that's a bad habit of listening is not looking at the speaker or actually even paying attention to them. And this is really common, I think, now that we're in the smartphone world. Have you ever been talking to themselves and you suddenly realize, wait a minute, they're like texting their friends or Facebooking or something. Or, or have you gone into uh, maybe one of the, the millions of restaurants now that have TV screens up there, and you realize halfway into a really important conversation that like the person most important to you in the world, like the man you live with is watching TV <laughs> instead of listening to you. <laughs> I think we have all felt like, oh my gosh, I have this important thing to say and people are cutting me short, not listening, paying attention to anything but me. And in all of those cases, the, the what do I wanna say? The hidden message is you're not as important as I am. What I'm thinking, what I believe, what I'm getting ready to say is more important than what you have to share. And so that is why I think these, these, common, um, these common issues around listening are so important. If we're not willing to do what's necessary to really listen, why would the other person respond to us in any other way other than giving us, it, it's the tacit agreement to not listen to each other. It's the tacit agreement to not care as much, to just gloss over what's happening. I think that each one of us has a story to tell in this life. I think that each one of us has things that are important to say. Sometimes in the, the smallest conversations, it's a story of friendship. Sometimes in the, the, the slightest ways as we're explaining what happened in our day, we're, we're asking for a, a confirmation of love in our life or something like that. Even the conversations that seem to go nowhere, like, uh, isn't the weather great today? It was a real popular one for people coming in the door. Do you know what they're really saying, though? They're saying, I'm glad to be here, and I really feel the love in this place. Thank you for so warmly greeting me. Now, people may not say that out loud. I don't know if it's because it isn't cool or, or it's just not the thing to do, but so often, so often, some of the most trite things that we say are actually, I love you. I care about you. I'm glad you're here. Even those deserve to be listened to. And I'm going to give you some of Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, um, suggestions for listening today because he breaks it down into, into three important pieces. First of all, we actually have to listen to the words. 
Now you would think that's the most straightforward part of it, right? And yet, how many times do we just listen to one or two words in a sentence and kind of fill in the rest? How often are we with a speaker who either because they speak very softly or uh, maybe English isn't their first language, how often do we really not even bother to clarify the actual words of what's being said? I can remember uh, my grandfather, when he started getting elderly, he had to have hearing aids in. And uh, I don't know if the state of the art has improved, but 20 years ago, what I realized, grandfather was hearing maybe half of what people were saying to him. And yet, he was kind of a proud man, so he would do what? He would nod and smile. And I got to tell you, in our family dynamics, it produced some very comical situations. I still remember the time I showed up on a Saturday to take him out fishing. And he was like, fishing? What fishing? And I was like, well, we talked about it two days ago. You said it was going to be fun. And he just looked at me like it wasn't that he was senile. He wasn't hearing anything. He literally was neither hearing nor doing what was necessary to make sure that he could clarify things. So let us, first of all, make sure that the actual words that we're listening are what was being communicated to us. It's okay to say things like, could you speak up? It's okay to say things like, would you repeat that last little bit? I thought you said whatever, you know, is that right? Feel free to ask someone to, to clarify if you really don't have the words right. Oftentimes, what I have discovered is that when people are looking at me strangely, it's because I've said something strange. <laughs> and I'm really glad when they have pointed that out to me. We're all human. We're all fallible. We'll all occasionally choose the wrong word or forget to use a word like not or never. <laughs> and they're important, aren't they? Uh, the next piece, though, I think of deep listening is also to understand the context in which whatever is being said is said. And I'll use an example of my mom. For years and years and years, uh, my mom's favorite holiday was Christmas. And she would talk uh, months ahead about decorating and throwing parties and the, the people that she hoped to visit during the holidays. And, and uh, you know, really from about Thanksgiving on, it was a lot of looking forward to Christmas and doing things around the Christmas holidays. Well, towards the end of her life, people started noticing that she actually kind of did a little flip there. She would say things like, I don't know about this whole Christmas thing. It's so commercial. It's all about what they can sell us. She would say things like, uh, I don't know that I want to go to that Christmas party. It's just, uh, just going to remind me of old times and, and, uh, and people that I don't see very often. And, and really, you would get the impression from what she said that she actually didn't like Christmas. Well, the context was her husband, my stepfather, died about a week before Christmas. And so it was really many years before she actually could celebrate Christmas in a way that was genuine and, and, and loving and looking forward to it again. Most people wouldn't know. Most people wouldn't ask. They would think, who's this curmudgeonly old woman that doesn't like Christmas, right? My mother loved Christmas. But for a number of years, it simply reminded her of a, of a hole in her own heart. It was difficult for her to get into that spirit because it reminded her of something else. 
I would like to think that we can be the friend that would say, what's going on here? You used to like Christmas so much. Is there something else? Is there some context? And of course, if someone would say that, her heart would open. She would explain it and it would make perfect sense. Do you, do you see how the words aren't always the answer? The words can lead you down one path, but the, the, the context of what's going on in the person's life, the emotions that are behind it, what's going on underneath and beside and almost everything except the words in a way may be what's more important. That's your permission. Anytime you see the words not quite going with what you know about that person or the words not going by uh, well with underlying emotions. These are the perfect times when as a, as a friend or a coworker, we can say things like, wow, I can see this is really upsetting you. You know, do you want to say a little more about that? If we take the time to find out the context, then the communication is really heard because it's not just the words. Often it's that emotional context there that's, that's really wanting to be satisfied in some way, that's really wanting to be addressed in some way. So, so go that extra step of clarifying, you know, what's going on here? That's not the way I think of that person. This isn't a strange message coming from her when I can see that she looks so so sad you know the the message is different than the affectation that goes with it finally the last thing that we need to do is actually be aware of the whole intention for the the discussion or the dialogue because I think that's yet another thing all of us, I believe, enter into some kind of a discussion or a dialogue with a purpose. Now, sometimes it might be the most simplest purpose on life, uh, in life, just to welcome someone, right? Like I was saying, you know, what a beautiful sunny day. It isn't really about the sunny day. It's about, hi, I'm glad to see you. That would be my purpose, for instance, of saying that. So it's not always the words. It's, it's a purpose that can be beyond the words. Sometimes people are going through a rough time. All they want to know is just that they're acknowledged that you care about them. Sometimes you can get a, one of those telephone calls where someone will go on and on and on about their, their horrible day and you know your urge, or at least for some of us, for those of us who uh, kind of like to fix things as though we could fix the world, right? Does anyone here like to, f to try to fix things? Well, my urge is to plunge right in. You could do this, you could do this, I could help you do that. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not the purpose. The reason I called you is just to have someone listen. The reason I called you is to know that there is someone in my life that cares enough that they would be there for me during this rough time. It's not about fixing things. It's about being heard. I think of a, a classic example of this uh, was my first piano teacher, um, Sylvia Palmer. Some of you who have been around a long time might, might remember Sylvia. She used to, to come to our center when it was over in Park Rose. And uh, one day she came up to me and, and she said, you said something about the piano. Do you, do you take piano? Do you play the piano? I said, no, but I would love to learn. She said, oh, I'm the teacher for you. I'll give you a really good uh, deal on the piano lessons. I live right over in Vancouver. You know, we'll have fun together. Well, I took her up on it. And the very first day after the piano lesson was done and I, and, and I wrote my check to her, she said, would you mind taking me to the shopping market? 
And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> sure. And what I learned was after a little bit, that was her pattern, right? It was, uh, okay, we have the lesson and then maybe it's going out to the DMV to help her with, she didn't, she, she didn't have a car, right? And so what I realized was part of the context here was she didn't have a car and I could help her with some things. And so that was okay. But you know what? I still hadn't really gotten to the intent. The intent was she was lonely. The intent of engaging me in this way was really she wanted to have some people close to her again. And once I realized that, oh my gosh, the dynamics really changed because there were times when it really wasn't convenient for me to take her to the store or take her to the DMV. And you know what? She didn't care about that. A phone call would work just as well if loneliness is the issue, right? If there isn't time after a lesson to help her out with something, she didn't care. It was knowing that on a Saturday, she and I might go to the zoo together or have some fun together. Do we even know why people engage us? Sometimes it's the most heartfelt sense of just wanting to participate in life. And if, if we can listen for it, if we can really realize what they're trying to say, and not always with their words, and not always with their actions, but if we can get to the bottom of it, what a difference we can make in the lives of the people around us. So, quick review. When we're listening, we listen for the words, right? We're going to make sure we actually get the words right, because so often we don't. We want to listen for the context. That's the emotional import. That's what's going on in their life that maybe has an effect on what they're saying. That's the kind of the subtext of what's going on. And then what's the overall purpose? I think always when we're engaged in conversation, there's some kind of purpose going on, some kind of desire that started that. And often it's the simplest thing on the planet, just wanting to catch up. Often it might be just wanting to know that you're loved or participate in some way. But if we really know what the intention is, it can make a big difference. All right. So in our process of getting better in speech, we have to get better at listening first. And first and foremost, it means our undivided attention. It means a space for the other person to finish their thoughts. Have you ever noticed someone that wants to finish the ends of your sentences for you? Or someone that you can tell they're just, right? They've got their thing ready. Like, where can I? <laughs> you can see them just waiting for you to just stop for a second so that they can say, say their thing. Well, the trouble with that is they're not listening to you anymore. They're working on prepping what they're going to say. So let's not do that. Let's make sure that it's even okay to have a little silence. That you might wait until one person finished, then you think about what they've said, a little bit of silence, and then there's a reply or request for uh, further information. So willingness to listen at length without judgment or without planning on what you're going to be saying. And the judgment piece is that let's not begin editing their life 
So they're telling you that they had a bad day at, at, at work, and you're not saying, well, of course you had a bad day at work. You're a lousy worker. Or, I, I mean, right? I mean, I'm, I, you wouldn't do that probably with a friend. But how often are we judging other people when they're speaking, right? You know, who's she to talk about me, how I raise my children, blah, 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 right? All that craziness going on in our head. What it means is we're not listening. We're busy. We're busy doing something else. We might as well be text messaging because our head's just as busy coming up with judgments and pronouncements and what we're going to say next. All right, one final thought on this issue. I was really thinking this week, I, I don't take the newspaper, but I was catching up a little bit on current events online. And as many of you know, they're doing the, the trial for the uh, Boston Marathon bomber right now. And it reminded me of some of the similar tragedies, really, that have happened across the country. You know, I, I think of the, of the shooting at the Clackamas Town Center here a couple years ago and some of the school shootings and other things that have happened. Could it be that there are people out there that just need to be listened to? It's like, where were the, the friends and, and family members and coworkers and... Uh, counselors and teachers and where were the people that could have listened to some of those young people when they were in trouble did anyone really even ask to see what was going on in their lives or in their heart were we noticing that someone was had been depressed or upset for a really long time? Were we, were we really listening, not just to the words they said, but also the context of their lives? See, I, I think that listening might be the most important spiritual practice of all time. You know, we talk about prayer and meditation here a lot, and I do know that prayer and meditation can save my life. <laughs> I've proved it to myself. But I wonder if true listening might save the life of this planet. I'd like you, by way of a, a, a small bit of homework this week, to think about a primary or important relationship in your life and analyze your listening skills. Could you actually get better at knowing what's going on in the mind and the heart of the people around you? Might you save the planet by finding out something that really is unsaid and yet so important that's going on with the people that you know and love and care about. I'm going to close with a final quote from this book and a prayer. Thich Nhat Hanh says, you should ask yourself the question, do I understand him enough? Do I understand her enough? Have I really listened enough? Many people are reluctant to talk because they fear that what they say will be misunderstood or not heard. There are people who suffer so very much. They're not capable of telling about the suffering inside. We may have the impression that nothing is wrong until it's too late. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love, one joy, one beauty, that one thing which I call God is the summation of all that, all that is on this planet and beyond. It is this, this one presence of, of love and compassion. 
And I know that means me. I know that my heart can easily open to uh, cover the, the, the suffering of another, that my heart can be there in terms of compassion and, yes, listening to what is going on in the hearts and the minds of other people. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for everyone in this room. Each person here can take the time to do a better job of listening, to open their hearts and their minds, to open their ears in a way, to truly just listen. Listen to the words, listen to the context, listen to the intent, to truly sit back and just drink in another human being. Allow them to speak their mind, to acknowledge them in this this intimate and beautiful way. And so for this week and the week after, I know that perhaps there's a greater willingness on the part of myself and the people in this room to truly listen, to open our hearts in that compassionate way. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity and action of the law itself. I just let it be. And together we say, and so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.